You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, Alana Levine here. Together with Sam Mayer, I host How to Be More Chill, a podcast devoted to our beloved musical, Be More Chill. Listen, I just want to tell you that if you're around the weekend of January 25th, go to BroadwayCon. All of the fabulous podcasts that are part of the Broadway Podcast Network are going to be there live, interviewing your favorite stars, and BroadwayCon is just a blast. So get yourself to BroadwayCon, find the Broadway Podcast Network events, and if you love Broadway, you're going to love this weekend. Or pretend to check a text on my phone. Welcome to How to Be More Chill version 3.0. This is Sam. This is Alana. And our first three episodes of How to Be More Chill were the story of how Be More Chill got to Broadway with Joe Iconis and George Salazar and Jennifer Ashley Tepper and Will Rowland and Joe Trace telling us that story. Version 2.0 was really uh, the experience of being on Broadway. Jason Tam, Lauren Marcus, Stephanie Hsu came on and really took us backstage, behind the scenes, a day in the life of starring on Be More Chill on Broadway. And now... We are dealing with How to Be More Chill 3.0, which is this time after a six-month blockbuster run on Broadway, leading up to... Be More Chill is going to London. Off West End, February 2020. So we wanted to have some episodes in this interim period with some of the people involved with the Off-Broadway and Broadway production sort of looking back and talking about their experience on the show. And then we're going to get some people involved with the London production and get their take on how their life is about to change forever. Truly. I mean, the thing that's so exciting, Sam and I talk about this all the time. This show is for the fans. Everything that happens to be more chill is because of the fans. And the fact that now people who live in Europe and all over the world, maybe getting to New York was hard, but maybe getting to London will be a little easier. If you're in Austria, it might be a little easier. If you're in if you want to go, If you want to go through the channel, mm-hmm. you can get there that way. Whatever you uh, think is the easiest way and the most economical to get to London, look into it now. Thanks for joining us for version 3.0 of How to Be More Chill. Welcome to Super Quantum Unit Intel Processor. Episode 9 is an interview with Morgan Green, who was a swing on the Broadway production and is, quite frankly, one of the coolest people I know. Yeah. Not only is she one of the coolest, has one of the most extraordinary voices on Broadway and really anywhere else on the planet that you find voices, she's also gorgeous. I know that's not important, but it just happens to be a fact. And, and I hate the phrase when people are like, yes, and she's just as gorgeous on the inside. But she but is. But it is true. I know. She is so cool and so kind and so loving, yet also like takes no you-know-what from no one. No, nor is, should she. Nor should she. So today you're going to get to hear about what is the most thrilling and the most terrifying thing about being a swing, which you may know of as the phrase being an understudy. But Morgan will explain swing, understudy, what all the Broadway terminology means. But imagine being shot out of a rocket. 
That is what it is to go on, and especially in Be More Chill, a show that is so um, known. Every word, every step, every moment of the show was known by the audience before they came in because of their obsession with it. So the pressure of having to deliver this thing and bring them something new, and of course she crushed it, and of course the audiences went wild every time she went on. So today we're going to get to hear from Morgan really what it's like to watch the show, which most members of the cast didn't get to do. They're in it. So she got to watch it, and then she got to be in it, which to me is like the dream. The dream. So. Morgan Green, let's do this. So do you go by Morgan Green or the full name? Morgan Siobhan Green. So the whole, all, all three. Got it. And so that B-H is a V sound. Is a V. And I love my favorite thing is when people read my name and they're calling off names in the room and they're not expecting me to get up because it's all Irish. Like the Morgan, the Siobhan, the Green, it's all. So where did your mom get this inspiration to give her beautiful daughter an Irish name? A soap opera. I, which I don't so, remember. You don't I have know. no idea which but one. But she loved the character. She lo- I think it was the actor's. It might have been the actor's name. Yes. Yeah. She saw it in the credits, and I was almost a Sarah after my grandmother. I have no idea. She chose not your grandmother, the actress. And For the middle. So, But think uh-huh. about it. Like yeah. you're, you, It was predestined. Of course you would become an actress because that was the inspiration for your name. Yeah. It's all in there. Yeah. And man, are you a talented actress. And man, your voice is just the most extraordinary. So Morgan uh, went on uh, 15 times when you were in Be More Chill. I like to say 15-ish. 15-ish for Christine and Jenna. Jenna, yeah. When you say 15-ish, does that mean you went on for part of the show? No, it means that I stopped (laughs) counting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I am not... That's an amazing thing, though, to go on enough where it's no longer like putting X's on a calendar and counting down, but like to get that familiar with something is an amazing thing. So we've buried the lead here. Morgan was the swing for Jenna and Christine in the Broadway and off-Broadway? Just Broadway. Just Broadway. Yeah. All right. How did you find out that you were going to be a part of Be More Chill? Okay. So it's actually funny because it's coming up on the one-year anniversary. Happy anniversary. Of my final callback, which is also on my birthday. Whoa, yeah. cool. So the reason why I really love this story is because it's also parallel to like my own journey as a performer. And I, as an African-American woman, felt like there were certain things you have to show in a room to validate yourself as a performer And I kind of, I don't think of people as boxes or algorithms, but some shows do. Hmm. And sometimes when you don't fit, you become discouraged and you feel like there's not a place for you. When in actuality, it just means you're a lot more nuanced than maybe the industry has caught up to yet. And I had just decided to be myself, as odd as that sounds. And I had gone in for the second time for the show. So I went in off-Broadway and I didn't book it. And then I went in for Broadway and in that interim period of the off-Broadway and going in for everything like 25 times, I was just exhausted. And I remember wearing my Harry Potter cut-off shirt, um, just jeans, you know, because a lot of girls are like, I have to wear dresses and I have to wear, and I'm like, I want to wear what makes me feel good. And then if you like me, you'll put me in the clothes I'm supposed to wear for the character. 
but I'm going to wear what I want to wear when I go in a room. And I remember walking in, and I knew every pianist every time we walked, every time I walked in, which really settled me and grounded me. And I remember talking to Stephen Brackett about what Harry Potter house I was in, because I was like, I'm sure I'm a Slytherin. Like, I know. I'm like, house, I'm Slytherin <laughs> to the core, like Slytherin. <laughs> And we were Did talking, you know I recently became Slytherin? Really? I or, saw or it. I discovered that I was Slytherin. It's the best house. Oh, yeah. We're it in. is. Did yeah. you do 23andMe or Ancestry.com? Yeah. Is that <laughs> how you found out? I sent a DNA sample, <laughs> and they were like, Slytherin. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, that's my new business idea. No, my, <laughs> my way of figuring out that was Slytherin was amazing, because the way it worked is someone lent me um, some cosplay for my photo shoot when mm-hmm. I went to see it, and it was Slytherin. So I said, great. I think I must be. I looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah, for mm. sure. Yeah. So the clothes match the man. Yeah. All right. So when you say, I, can I go back for a second? Yeah. When you say, like, I was going in for, like, 25 things, how many times did you actually go in for Be More Chill? I think for Off-Broadway, I went in at, like, the final call. I had just gotten, like, new representation. And then for Broadway, I went in twice. Okay. And then with a dance call, which was hilarious. <laughs> I w- is there a video that we can put I on our Instagram? Not. I hope not. So you're with Stephen Brackett, mm-hmm. director extraordinaire, at your first time or your callback for the Harry Potter story? Is that the callback for Be More it Chill Broadway? For both. It was both. It was great to see him there for both of the calls. You could tell like he's very hands-on. And Joe was there and Jen was there. And I just remember being like, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to learn this music because it clearly wasn't about the singing. Mm-hmm. It was about this being able to play all of these people, which meant you had to be able to have fun and just think on the fly and be present. And As an actor, if you've gone in for a project in its original form, right? Mm-hmm. This time it was, well, Two River, but, but this was your first audition for it was the off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. Didn't get it. Then went in again for Broadway. How did you think about it? Like, I've already done this. What can I possibly show them? Is that because when you describe having this moment where you're like, I'm going to go in fully myself, was that what you brought in the room, the second round of auditioning for this thing? How did you go in for Broadway having not gotten it for off-Broadway and been like, I'm going to go in again, fresh? I think I just had fun. Mm -hmm. I think it started with the outside in with the clothes I think that clothes really do help us even like as a swing sometimes I'm like I don't even know who I am right now and I look at my clothes and I'm like oh I'm Christine (laughs) that's great (laughs) that is helpful I forgot for like a second yeah you know so like starting with the clothes and just allowing myself to know that I don't have to be perfect like the the job is to show my potential that with time and work that I can master whatever the difficulties are in the job like if I'm going in right now as performance level, imagine what I do with a month or two months sure. worth of time and, and resources. So the audition became more so for me. Like I had space, I had agency, I could speak, people were listening, and I just needed to practice owning that. So in the interim between the off Broadway audition and the Broadway audition, there were so many auditions, so many encounters that were happening that were shaping that person that needed to arrive at that Broadway call, honestly. That's beautiful. And so it happens. Yeah. And happens. did you know it that time? Were you like, you know what? This one's mine. Yeah. 
a little bit because I they seem to vibe with me. So the the dance call, the crazy thing is the dance call, Joel was also in there and so was Anthony. And I am not by any means a dancer. I think it's disrespectful for me to even say Morgan and dancing like in a sentence. I'm that awful of a dancer. Who are Joel and Anthony for Joel, our listeners? Joel and Anthony were the other added swings to the Broadway company. So all three of us were in the same final call together. And I just remember Chase Brock and I love them and what they wear and I just remember when he walked in I was like he's gonna kill me because his <laughs> outfits are like so like expressive I'm like we're about to be flipping and dipping and sliding across the floor <laughs> and I'm like I am not ready for this it's my birthday I have not had even a cupcake or like a piece of cake but I'm like this is what I've been working for and this is what I want and I just remember being in the room and raising my hand and being like excuse me whatever you just did with your feet you need to run that back again, <laughs> like in the call. Yeah. And they laughed. But that was just me being myself. Honest and authentic and yeah. you. And somebody yeah. and somebody wants that. Yes. And someone doesn't. And I don't want to be in the room with the people that don't. Oh, man, did they want that. I mean, yeah. this is a company that loved you and embraced you so quickly. Yeah. And God, how special you are. So how long after, so it's your birthday. Yeah. You decide to give your birthday present to yourself. I'm going to be me. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be on my birthday. One hundred. I'm going to walk out of this room knowing that I was 100% authentically me. How long after that did you find out you got it? Oof. It was like a month and a half. Oh my God, it that's was so long. It was the longest, Brutal. like maybe like a month-ish, but it, it felt like it took forever. Of course. And... I teach. That was always my side job is that I was a teacher. I got my master's out in Long Island. And so I always am involved in education. So I teach theater in Catholic schools because they have an arts requirement that they have to have. And I just remember like constantly texting my manager and being like, you know what? Just like tell me no if it's like a no so I can right. just like move on with my I life. I want to move on. I just want to know. And he was just like they're figuring out other things. Like just stay put. Like it's going to be thing. fine. Yeah. And I remember finding out in enough time that by the time I went home for Thanksgiving, I was able to, like, share in the joy with my mom in the present. And it was, like, beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Did I, you... I actually found out early. Uh, Before she knew? Uh, I think you already must have known because I was hanging out with your agent. And <laughs> I think he misunderstood my level of producer and was like, you guys are taking too long with Morgan's contract. <laughs> and I was you were like, like, I'll get right on it. Morgan? <laughs> and he said your name and I was like, oh, my, my heart dropped because I was so into you and folk wandering. Like, you are like a shining beacon of light in that show. Well, I love everything about you in that and was like... You were so on my radar, and like I had no idea who they were casting as the swing. <laughs> and he said that, and I was so excited. Happy. Yeah. Did you see it when it was at the signature? I did not. It was actually hilarious to come into rehearsal having not really known what was going on in the show. It kind of liberated me in the room to just like, Joe Iconis really truly does write for actors, and Joe Trace really made this libretto that I was reading and I'm like, oh, I know who this is. Oh, I know who Chloe is. Oh, I know who Brooke is. And I just need to do my interpretation of these people. And I went in and I just did my version of these these characters and then it really liberated me to bring that to whatever 
Stephen Brackett or Max Friedman wanted us to bring on stage when we were playing them. When you auditioned, did you do material from Be More Chill or did they want you to bring in your own stuff from your own book early on? It was all stuff from the show okay. because I had gone in so late and mm-hmm. the Broadway call was so quick given the turnaround from the signature to Broadway. It was so quick that it was just materials. And obviously, you know, when you're in a room, if they're like, oh, they're singing this well, but I want to hear them sing something that's like of them that they are familiar with and they're comfortable with. But I never really, I think the Harry Potter and the Slytherin conversations probably helped me bypass some of that. You didn't have to do something yeah. from your book because in of that. In true Slytherin style, <laughs> you were able to just bypass that right, right away. Did you know people from the show before you got involved in it? The close closest proximity I had was Rob Rokiki. Rob, I sang the first girl version of Good Kid at Junior Theater Festival the year prior, I believe it was 2018. And, and this is Robert Kiki who wrote The, the Lightning, Lightning Thief, Thief, Good Kid, the one of the best musical theater songs of the past decade. Literally. One of my it's one of my favorite songs. It's like my mantra song. I really just truly relate to that song. What's and the first line of that song? Do you remember? Six schools in six years, been kicked out of every place. Everything I ever do is wrong, never find where I belong, everybody on my case. That's your anthem? Yep. We'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> that might be how to be more chill 4.0. Uh-huh. Just Morgan, all Morgan, all the time. So amazing when you connect that way to a piece of, uh, to a lyric and a, and, a, and a composer, right? Yeah. It's such a special thing. And when I had the privilege of seeing you in Be More Chill, I saw you do both parts. Oh, wow. Um, it's kind of extraordinary that you were able to fulfill so deeply the inner landscape of both these characters who are very different girls. Yeah. Really different girls. Uh, They express themselves so differently. They deal with the trials and tribulations of high school life. Their armor is so Mm -hmm. different in a way. And the fact that they found in you someone who could really inhabit both those young women so fully... Man, were they lucky to find you. That's very sweet. You know, like being a swing for more than one part. Can you describe to our to your fans the difference between being a swing and an understudy? Yes. So usually a swing is someone that's in a show already in like an ensemble role. And then they cover multiple parts and they go throughout whatever tracks are needed in the show. The, the difficulty with our show was that we were either on stage or we were not on stage, which for myself, I'm like, if I was on stage every night, I probably could have like swung in for Michael Mel, like, or the, or the, the squip. Like, I, I want to see that. I'm so, I can see, visualize things and just seeing where people stand and where they go and hearing it in so, such close proximity on stage would, would be so helpful. Would be so helpful to me. And then when you have an understudy, oftentimes that person's job is just to really, really focus on one major role and really dig in. And it's not to say, I don't think either of them is easier than the other. I think the expectation of an understudy is like you are just as good as the person that's playing it because that's the one part that you really need to know. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the swing, I think people are a little more forgiving because you're going in and out and playing one part one day and one part the next day and it's truly self-driven your brain has to be able to compartmentalize information so quickly 
so fast and then use it again when you need access to it. So, because you were prepared to go on for Jenna, Christine, but also... Brooke and Chloe. Got it. it. Yeah. So you had to know every line, every note, every movement, every costume change for four different All roles. All four. Yeah. Wild. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's crazy. I, yeah. I remember there were some moments backstage early on in, in previews or after opening where I was like, like I, I remember asking you like, of all the four, like, which are you the most ready to go on for right now? Mm-hmm. And you had a very clear answer. I don't yeah. Uh And then, you know, you would, yeah, I, t- tell us about that process I saw you doing, which is like on certain nights you could follow certain tracks just to really practice it and get it good. Just kind of do, almost do the costume changes with the next stage, follow every emotion. Yeah. It was really just trying to control what you could control and understand that whenever you go on, there's just some stuff that you're not going to, know and you have to just be so secure in the things you can know that you can roll with the punches with the things that you know are unsure so when we had rehearsal we really didn't have a lot of the tech so the portals really didn't move things didn't fly in it was more so about knowing where props were knowing where you entered knowing your lines and then we didn't have the costume changes or costumes that was an added thing if you got enough notice that you were going on some people went in mid-show some people found out a few hours before and it really is a self-guided job if I can say it that way so there were two female swings yes okay and the two of you learned all the women all of them yes okay and did you have your own costumes or would they sort of pin and alter the costumes that were in existence for the people who did the show to fit you or we did had you our own. own we had our own set of costumes for all the characters for all of them so there were sort of triple the number of costumes for everyone they yep. made what, what was the other swings name talia, talia sorry yeah. sorry so the two of you had your own versions of all the costumes mm-hmm. how would it who went on first talia or you i went on first can you tell us about the first time you went on yeah so i was in the bathroom we had this running joke with myself in the PSM that she only called me when I was literally putting on clothes. And she called me and said, hey, how are you doing? And she was really too calm. So I was like, I'm good. Were you at the theater? <laughs> no, I was in the shower at home on my way to understudy rehearsal. And I had moved on to another track. Like I was getting ready to do a run through of another. This was pretty very early on like we had all done a pass through of one track and we were moving on to the like, second okay track. today we're gonna do christine yesterday yeah. we so did you had done a yeah, pass through one. for jenna yes and but, i was like done with jenna right now i'm gonna do chloe so your chloe. brain was in chloe land full chloe like okay full on chloe and she called me she's like morgan tiffany has called out this evening you will be making um going on tonight for the role of jenna Rowland." and i went great cool i'll see you at work so what did you almost just say there? You were you were making your Broadway debut on this, right? Yeah, that was my debut. Yeah. So you're getting a phone call saying you are, you will be making your Broadway debut. You're not in rehearsing a few hours. today. You're actually going on. You're, well, we had rehearsal, so the rehearsal that was scheduled turned into a mini put in. whatever questions do you have, Morgan? Let me know. And then the last ninety minutes, the entire cast was called in, and then oh my god, to make me like more nervous she made everyone stay 
to watch, like even all the swings. She was like, everyone's going to watch this. This is our first put-in, so we're all going to watch to see how all the put-ins should go. And we're going in. I look down the hall, and there's Joe, Iconis, like coming down the hallway. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm just coming to check you out, make sure you're fine. Like, what do you need? He, he emailed me that morning to make sure I was fine. Did I need anything from him? Did I want to rehearse anything with him? And I was like, I'm good. I have my regularly scheduled voice lesson that day that I always have on Thursdays. I have rehearsed. So I was like, I'm good. I'm fine. Like, I did the work. I have ner- normal nervous jitters, not unprepared. I have no not, idea what's I'm going on. I'm climbing out the window and going home jitters. Yeah, not those jitters. I yeah. had, like, I did the work. Like, I can do wow, this tonight. Wow, Morgan, that is so extraordinary that you were able to just stay in your body and have that confidence one never knows until it happens oh, yeah. how they're going to react. Oh, yeah. Like, you just don't know. I, I would even go as far to tell you that I, when I walked in that day, uh, you know, 45 minutes before curtain or whenever it was. Rolled and, in. And, when you rolled in that heard, day, Sam. heard the news, you know, I immediately am, like, ra- waiting for you to walk by me so that I can give you my you know, little high five or, like, how you doing? I, I would almost go as far as to say you were unnervingly calm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, All right, how are you feeling? And she was like, great. Is that you? Is that what happens to you when you need to show up? Do you find a quiet space in yourself? What Or did this surprise you that you were as calm as you were? I think I was surprised. I think I surprised myself. Because like you said, you never know what's going to happen with all of it when it happens. And I think... The preparation that I did, I found out how beneficial it was for me in that moment. Mm. It could have gone completely left, you know. Were you more nervous doing it for the company than you were for the audience that night? You know what? They became my friends. I made a conscious effort to go and, like, go up to the tower and see Will every now and then and go up to the tower. Can you tell the listeners what the tower is? Because they may not know. So... Will Roland had his own castle. He had a castle. (laughs) George had a castle with a moat. Okay. (laughs) More like a bouncy castle, but still a castle. I actually also bought George's couch from his dressing room. It's literally in my home. Um, Will and Jason Tam lived in a little tower stage left right near the um, production booth where they would call the show. And George lived in a different tower on stage right. And they were so far away from everyone else's dressing rooms that you would have to make a conscious effort. And they did. They came down a lot, but a conscious effort to go and say hi and check in. So I would really make an effort to just every now and then check on people, see how everyone's doing. Because the cast isn't a big cast. It was 16 total. But, like, there's nothing scarier than, like, being thrown into a show and then being thrown into a show with strangers. Right. So going on stage with people that I knew and always would check in with, like, if they pushed me or tapped me or moved me away like it was like clearly a love tap it wasn't like they were trying to guide you yeah guide me around and like familiar with them and then it got to the point that I like got to actually have fun after because you did it enough yeah and you laugh when you say tap me or push me do you mean when you were on stage and sometimes they were just you just didn't have enough experience yet to know where to be they would gently move you or do you mean backstage they would tap you and throw you around a lot of it was more so on stage. So when we were learning our tracks, we had scheduled, um, I don't even know what we would call them. We would follow them around. Okay. Trail them. Yeah, trail them. That was the word. That was actually what was on 
the daily trailing. That's we right. would trail. That's restaurant speak as well. I did plenty of trailing as a waitress. Yes. We we would trail a certain track just to see like, okay, just because they're going to change their costume, this set piece is moving in. Mm. Certain sides of the stage were so much more cluttered with set pieces and after we did a loadout, I went in and looked at the theater, and we used so little of the stage. It was so small compared to, like, how much space there huh. actually was to be utilized and those numbers that are on the stage. So at the foot of the stage, we have a number line, and zero is center, and to the left and the right, it goes all the way out from one to, I think, maybe, like, nine or ten. And as a swing, your job is to learn everyone's number in a – in the show, in the in the songs. But also, it's not just your number. You have to know what everyone else is doing, too. Right. So I can't just go, oh, I go from zero to six. Right. Well, Chloe's going and sweeping through four at this moment, and then this person's doing this. So you have to literally learn everyone's So many traffic, traffic pattern. patterns. It's yeah. so insane. Were the numbers on the stage even once you were performing? Did we... You, Oh, yeah. They stayed up there. So they were there. there. They did not come off. They're usually in every show. Uh You just cannot see them. From the audience. Yes, from the audience. They're there. And it really helps you as someone that's not doing it every single day just learn where to go. And I mean, and sometimes people that do the show every night, they miss some numbers, too, and they got to get notes because then it throws you off when you're learning the actual right traffic that if people are, I like to call it remixing, they're remixing the movement, then it, like... You know, collision. I learned about the numbers because the monitor that we had backstage in the VIP room, which is where I sat during every performance. Being very VIP. uh, had to. (laughs) We had to put the numbers on the actual TV screen on the monitor that matched where they were on the stage where the camera was pointing so that the swings could could practice and see exactly where they were on the stage, not just sort of a visual guide, but like an actual, you could see that they were standing in front of stage left seven or whatever it would be called. The other thing I always love to share, because not everyone in an audience, unless they've really uh, been in a musical themselves, know, the next time you're in a Broadway theater sitting in the audience, look behind you and you will see a television monitor. (laughs) A lot of people, I've gone to Broadway shows with them and I tap them on the shoulder and I go, look behind you. Most people don't know that there are television screens above them that you, the actors, can see. We're the conductor. Yeah. And I love one of my favorite things. It's like something we take for granted, but the next time you're at a show, you guys, look behind you and you can watch the conductor Sometimes I find myself watching the conductor and not looking at the show sometimes because it's so exciting. But were there any special signals that – who was the conductor for your show? Emily Marshall. She was our conductor, yeah. Did you guys have any, like, secret language between the two of you that when you would watch her on the monitor? Or was that a comforting place to look sometimes? I – this is going to sound bad. I don't know if I ever truly (laughs) looked up there. (laughs) It's kind of I a do. peripheral vision yeah. thing, right? It's like just to keep the beep just peripherally yeah. in your field of vision. Mostly because I think the, the two tracks that I went in for, there weren't a lot of pickups. Like, okay. you know, Christine's, you know, play rehearsal and all of that. They follow they Christine. Let, they, lead, they follow you. Yeah. You lead it. You lead it. And then with Jenna, the, the lead-ins to like smartphone hour and... The pitiful children are all very set. So I feel like the one that like you really probably have to watch is like Brooke because Brooke has all of the like 
like little sound cool sound cues and things like that also like you're terrified so sometimes like looking at the conductor reminds you that you're on stage (laughs) also also i need glasses i literally couldn't see the conductor unless it was they were in the pit because it's just too far away and my characters don't wear glasses anyway that's just a cool little inside broadway theater stuff um so you go in as jenna it's your broadway debut Mm -hmm. and how does it go I what do you remember? Well. I remember the clown costume and being like, oh, <laughs> I don't like this. But I had never put it on before to that extent. And How then, hot was it? It was hot. <laughs> it was hot. I also like forgot that the couch was moving on mm. because we don't have the things moving. And I just remember like, it probably wasn't this big of a jump, but I f- remember like flying over the furniture because I was like, I got to land so I can take this thing off of my head so I can see. Um, I remember doing that. And I remember really the biggest moment that freaked me out because the cool thing about Jenna is like she kind of gets to ease into the show. Like all her stuff is in act two. Mm-hmm. And I just, her big stuff. The big, yeah, big stuff. She's there all along. I just remember being in the phone. And hearing Gerard screaming at the the pumpkin, and I went, oh, my God. I think I said, oh, my God, out loud when he was like, I'll burn you out. And then the the Halloween thing starts to move, and I just remember going, oh, God. And then it's starting, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm the only person on this stage right now, and I'm doing Smartphone Hour. What is happening? That is I think amazing. that's what I say in the inside. Is that your favorite song? That song is really fun to do. So first off, I love Tiffany Mann, and there's something insane about her voice and her throat. I realize that I really like doing Smartphone Hour when I'm not singing and Tiffany is. I just love hearing Tiffany sing it. And there's, Mm -hmm. like, this fun, like, she carries that song in just, like, an insane way. Like, the stamina that she has. And I, when I think back to the studio, like, she sang it with such stamina when we were rehearsing. And really built up that muscle Mm -hmm. to, like, go from that clown suit to, like, having to belt to the Lord's feet smartphone hour Mm -hmm. in pajamas. And guess what? Guess who else? Sam, who else did that? Morgan. Morgan. I did. (laughs) Just by the way. And just a little also backstage insight is to know that, of course, you know, Morgan knows this from the other swings, too. Like, if a swing is on, you know, for a certain character, everyone backstage, all the other swings, me, Zach, who ran the stage door, all knew what songs we definitely wanted to be sure we snuck out and watched from the back. So, of course, Morgan's first Jenna. It is like all hands on deck. Smartphone hour is about to happen. We are all scrambling backstage to get in the back (laughs) of the theater to watch this because it's going to be a moment. Because your little sister's going on. It's a moment in Broadway history. It's Morgan's big moment in her Broadway debut. And when I tell you, you blew the roof off of that ceiling. The Light Theater probably still does not have a ceiling from that day. No, I heard that they're they're having... Well, that's why the leak happened. Yep, that <laughs> the situation. <laughs> but also, as a testament to you, and also the beautiful family that was the Be More Chill family and is the Be More Chill family, your producers... Like, we all know Jennifer Ashley Tepper, big tweeter, mm-hmm. right? Big Instagram poster. Like, everyone involved in that show, when you went on... 
it wasn't like, hey, don't come tonight. There's a lot of shows when there's a swing, people are like, don't come tonight. Because when you went on, it was the opposite. Sam was like, get down here. Morgan's going on. That is a very unusual thing that was very special about this show. There was not only like heads up, but like get here. You don't want to miss this. Yeah. And I hope you felt that. I certainly felt that as a friend of the show. Um, what was that? Was that experience for you something that you could feel? And did that resonate for you? And did the yeah. audience carry you? Yeah, I think it contributed to the the calmness that I had. It was being in a room full of friends, a room full of people that were rooting for you. And I remember when I got done with that that performance, I remember Britton coming up to me. He was like, thanks for saving the show. Britton Smith. Yeah, we are birthday twins, Britton and I. Yeah, yeah, same birthday. He's a very special person. Very special. Yeah. Yeah. And so once you go on, how do you maintain a level of enthusiasm and commitment on the nights when you're not going on? Because you get to do it, right? Yeah. And then you go back to not doing it. So how did you handle that for, it was a, a nice long run. Yeah, it. I think for me, so we would backstage, I was very, I tried to stay humble about not knowing everything. So mm-hmm. I would dance the songs backstage, different tracks backstage. I would ask Anthony to help me. And I just remember being so happy about that moment going well that I didn't want to have more moments and they go bad. Right. So I knew I needed to keep working on certain things. So you'd always be prepared. Yeah. So I could just be prepared. I had little notebooks, actually. I left my Brooke notebook in Lauren's purse one day. <laughs> her, like, prop purse. Oh, okay. Her Brooke purse. <laughs> not and in she her bro- apartment. Not in her house. That you snuck into and, and like, put it in. <laughs> next to the cat. She wrote in my book, give because it had, like, a breakdown. Like, do this, do this, do this. Go here, go here. And she wrote, give Lauren $20, like, in my... <laughs> In my book, book. I have these little these little books that I keep. You know, these are the lines. This is where I go, and I would take them down every time I went on, even if I didn't think I needed them. They were down there anyway. Just to have them near you. Just to have them to understand. I probably might forget something, and if I don't, that's great. And did your dressers sort of so when you are going on, especially the first time as as Christine, let's Mm -hmm. say. are the dressers sort of going, okay, this is what's happening right now. We're putting you in this costume, which means you're about to do. Are people backstage sort of reminding you, or do you know it? Do you know what's happening next? I really worked hard in trying to know as much as I could know. Some of it was very on the fly. Some of it was like, I forgot how quick this one is because mm-hmm. I had never done it before. And we when we used to trail, I would just go and hide literally in the booths where all the girls would change, and I would just watch and see. Yeah. Okay, what are you doing now? How do you do this? What do you do with this? So that it just allows me not to always go from like one freak out moment to the next freak out moment to the next freak out moment. It was really great that with Christine, Christine is not her clothing is not as hectic as the other girls' clothing, but she has so much material like right off the gate. So the opposite of Jenna is. When Christine starts the show, you b- got to be on it for like 25 minutes. Yeah. Because she doesn't disappear until s- Squip Song. Yeah. So that's your first time to rest. Yeah. That's your first time. So can you tell us about the first time you went on? Is Christine? 
So in Caligula. this in the same spirit, I was in my bathroom. <laughs> that's where you hang out. That's where I just, just so we know live. that's where you can find Morgan in my bathroom. And this one was actually more insane. So when I got called for Jenna, they called me at like maybe 10, 9 a.m. I had like a nice amount of time. But when I got called for Christine, it was about 11.15, and I had plans that day. I was like, I'm going to go get Chipotle. Troy and I are going to watch our web series we watch on Wednesdays. Which is? Um, it's called Insomnia. Um, and we were just really excited, and I just remember. <laughs> Bert- Meaning backstage, that was going to be your yeah, thing. Yeah, that's yeah. what we do. Your like, Wednesday we just, thing. We eat, Two show day. And we just watch the TV. And Troy's sitting there nice and calm because he's been on for Michael so yeah, many times. Yeah, he's like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm good at this point. Um, and Bertie calls me. It's like eleven fifteen. Bertie, the stage manager extraordinaire, and this is for the matinee, oh, which means yeah, that's in ten minutes. Yeah, this was like <laughs> happening uh, right when she called me. You're and like, she's like, Bertie, I have to watch this web series. I really love yeah, it. Comes, it like yeah. releases at twelve, and she's like. This time she's like her voice is just a little bit a little bit more frantic because it wasn't like we didn't have as much time and I had never really done a put in for this character like at all. And she calls me and she's like, Hey, um, so you'll be going on for the role of Christine at two o'clock and I went, Oh <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll see you there. And she's like, um, how quickly can you get here? And I was like, I'm in the bathroom, uh, probably at like 12.30, 12.15. And so I get to the theater, and Amanda Flynn, voice, magic wand angel, I text her, and I'm like, you need to be at the theater. You need to be at the theater. I need you at the theater. Because it was early. Like, it was still early. You're like, I need you to warm up my vocals. I was like, anything just so I can sing through stuff once right. before I have to do it just to get that out of the way. And I get there, it's like 12.30. I sing with Amanda for like 15 minutes. My put-in was doing lines with Will downstage for like 15, 20 minutes. And then we did the show. And did you know it? I did. I did know it. I remember when she rolls the chapstick out. I just remember rolling the chapstick out and the audience just started screaming because I was the first person to ever play the part besides step step yeah. shoot and not to put it beyond that i'm also an african-american woman so to be on stage and to do that part i just remember being so stressed and i made a facebook post about it and i remember being so stressed i mean i had a lot of fun but you know there is an undeniable anxiety when you're doing something you've never done before in right. front of so many sure. people and stage dooring after it and all these little black girls are like losing their minds and not only did I do it for them but also to bring recognition to that they were always going to scream for Christine Canigula no matter who was playing it but the show allowed them to scream for someone that actually looked like them and that's a different thing so when you were growing up if we could just talk a little bit about your youth Mm -hmm. and when you found musical theater and and the arts in general as like a, a place where you lived quite happily. What was your introduction to all of this? My mother made me play violin from age five until I graduated from high school. And I remember not really liking to practice, but I loved being surrounded in the symphony with all the sounds and 
but it never was beyond me that no one really looked like me. And there's just an added pressure to like represent everyone when you're the only one. And I remember seeing the like 1997, I don't forget the year, version of Annie uh-huh. with Victor. Was it Victor Morton? Victor? Victor? The movie? Yeah, the- with Audra McDonald and Victor Garber. Yeah. Excuse me. Yep. Victor Garber, Audra McDonald, uh, Kristen Chenoweth, Alan Cumming. Like, I just remember watching that and just being like, oh, she's so cool. Audra's voice, mm. just the. You were not wrong. Yeah. I was like maybe like 10 and we had on VHS and I would just rewind, 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 rewind over and over. And I didn't know what musical theater was. I just Where did you grow up? In Illinois. Okay. Decatur, Illinois. Okay. And I just fell in love with it. And I think I've always been attracted to what that feeling made me feel, but also what I think the industry can become. I think it's like slowly turning that way it's like trying to like dig its feet into the ground but like there's more and more people coming and just pushing it as hard yeah. as they can towards this change because I really do think that theater can bring change it can bring progress it can bring a platform for people that have not been allowed to speak and show nuance and show gracefulness and in any form that people may feel that it's it's being redundant, it's because the same people are trying to say the same things over and over again, and there's so many people that haven't had a, sh- a shot. And I just remember seeing Audra and just being so illuminating, and obviously she's a black woman singing with this very unique voice in this position of power yeah. with this billionaire, and... I was like, I want to know more about about that stuff. I don't know what it is, but I want to know more about it. But if you're playing violin, when did you discover that you sing better than most other humans on the planet? <laughs> like, when did that <laughs> discovery happen? Um, did you always sing? Even though you were playing violin, that was the thing your mom pushed you to do. Were you always singing? I sang in church. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I feel like church really helps people sing from the heart. Without self-consciousness. Yeah, like it's just like you're giving your best and sound good or bad. It's like you're giving everything you have. And I I, I started in church, but I really found like the performance aspect of singing. I grew up in Montessori from like age three to 14. And we it was mandatory in our school that everyone participates in the musical. Like and it or not. Everyone has to do it. Like, you have to get up there. You don't have to have a big part, but you have to participate, and you have to appreciate what it means to get up in front of people and prepare something and present it. And my first ever musical was Lil Abner, and my first ever play, and I kid you not, I was in fourth grade. We did Macbeth, and it was not a filtered Macbeth. It was, like, the actual, like, double-double toilet in trouble Macbeth. Wow. That one. Yeah. That's a big piece of theater yeah. for little shoulders to carry. Yeah. So did you study in college? Did you go on to like a conservatory or did you go on to do performing arts in school? I got my undergraduate degree in theater performance from Bradley University. 
And I won't tell you the year I graduated because I'm still playing high school. 2019. Even... <laughs> 2020 yeah. is when I graduated. I'm so excited for your graduation next <laughs> it's year. Not, yeah. It's not yet. Um. Well, let me just say the thing about you and all the cast members is that it was really believable. Whatever you guys channeled in terms of making us believe that you were a high school student, you 100%. Did you relate more to Christine or Jenna? Was there one that felt more, or 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 Brooke or any of the characters, was there one that you were like, if I were just going to do one part and could focus on one, this lady feels the most like my heart? I think there's, I'm like a hybrid of Brooke and Christine. The thing I like about so whenever I tell people the thing that I like about all of the characters is that I don't think any of them are bad. I feel like... You mean bad people? Or bad, bad people. Pl- yeah. Bad people. I feel like, you know, Brooke is more like my my soul. I'm Brooke. I, she, she claps on the one and three to me mm-hmm. in like her song. Yeah. And Christine is like that part of me that I feel like I have always tried to subdue. So like I, in my rawest most joyful form expressive form am like a Christine Canicula and then the survival part of me is the Chloe Jenna uh-huh you know which I think a lot of people can relate to you know I, the I, tough exterior yeah the person that's like just trying to not go below a certain ranking because they're afraid of what's going to happen mm-hmm. not because they're just that mean right that awful right their cover their yeah, armor that's their armor so Morgan, I don't know if you know this, Alana, but Morgan has a a really powerful voice on Twitter, and it keeps me in check. You're the second <laughs> person in 24 hours that I've told this. So I said I told Georgia Stitt last night, who's Jason Robert Brown's wife and mm-hmm. a composer. I was like, your Twitter keeps me in check as a white male. George's does, or and Morgan's Georgia's does. does. Oh, and Morgan's okay. does too. And so my question to you is, you have a very clear vision of what Broadway and the performing arts can and should be and what we're all working towards, mm-hmm. uh, the people, the, the ones of us who are on the right side of things and, yeah. and working for the right kind of Broadway. Can you describe what that is and, and what your thoughts are on how we can get there? I like to describe the way the industry works. There are certain people that get invited to a seat at the table. And then they get invited inside and then they forget what it was like to be outside. And I think step one is remembering what it's like when your voice wasn't heard. And then if it is being heard, is it conditional? Are you only allowed to say certain things? Are you only allowed to speak so loud? Are you only allowed space to take up space when they've said this is the little space you can take up? And I have worked consciously on being aware of the opportunities that I've been given and how I felt when I didn't get any opportunities and that I'm still that same person that wasn't able to take up space as much. I think that my goal in life is to create new theater, create new stories, create space for like-minded artists that will use their platforms to make space for like-minded artists. It's kind of like a strange loop of theater, like creating something and then allowing people in, and then they go off and they create, and then they allow people in. I think it's really easy to get selfish and really easy, especially like with such a great audience of Be More Chill fans. I think it's that much more important that I do have an opinion, that I do stand firm 
on certain things because there are young people that are watching. And I think these are the young people that are going to change the world. These are the consumers of now and the consumers in 20 years who are going to decide what their kids get to come and see. And I think for anyone that that kind of tries to dismiss them really doesn't have a forward-thinking mind. These are the people that are going to keep your businesses afloat. These are the people that are going to make their own businesses. And I think it's really important that people are activists in some form or fashion. To just do art and just take a check is not what art should be. It should be active as acting is active. It should be selfless. It should be space giving, space allotting. It should be listening. It should be speaking when there's space to speak. And I'm also someone that likes to create things. So I've been working on my own projects and my own things that I find very near and dear to my heart. And I really want to bring access of those things to other people so that other people can know, hey, there is a world in which you, young child in south side of chicago you draw there's a world where people see your drawings there is a world where people find value in paying for your drawings it starts with economics and it starts with curriculum and it starts with literature it starts with all those things it starts with how we educate people and if we educate people that they are always under and they have to work really hard to be over rather than speaking to them as if they have the power to overcome anything, I think that really, really does impact the way that the world is going to progress or move further further backwards. So, first of all, for the two people on the planet who don't know, what is your Twitter handle? Morgan, what is it? Oh, I don't know. Morgan Siobhan G. Morgan Siobhan G? Yes. I okay. Right. I think that's right. Um, I think this idea of just, you know... What you just said about sort of this moment where you have a seat at the table and remembering when you didn't have a seat at the table, Mm -hmm. making sure you bring a lot of people along with you and keeping the door open, imagining you at the stage door and and how you were Audra for all those young people. What a powerful thing. Yeah. And it it must be hard to put words to it because it's such um, a beautiful, beautiful thing that's happened. You are you are the face for them that is going to yeah. make them feel like they can they can pursue their dreams um and and then also you are going to continue to do more and more jobs and more and more people are going to get to come see you yeah and is there anything you can tell us about that is coming up yeah i will be in moby dick at art directed by rachel chafkin and oh written and conceived by herself and Dave Malloy. And I'm super excited about it. And I'm super excited about just Rachel and just the way she looks at the world and a visionary. Yeah. Just a visionary. So this is, this is maybe an easy or a hard sentence to complete for us. Mm -hmm. But if you don't mind, be more chill is, Everyone. Everyone. I love it. 
Morgan, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. You are our dream interviewee for weeks and weeks. We're so glad that we got you. Thanks for having me. I look very forward to the day where we interview someone on the podcast in 20 years and they say, you know what? When I saw Morgan in Mm -hmm. Be More Chill and it's the same Audra story repeated back to us and you are the Audra McDonald, it's going to be really cool. Wow. I'm going to cry. Come on, come on, go, go, come on. You can find us on Instagram at How to Be More Chill. And one quick thing before we go could you go to Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen on and just take a moment to rate and review us? We would really appreciate it. And do not forget this is Alana. This is Sam. Tell us how to be more chill. Never hung with a girl like you before. I don't know if you know it, but I am sure that for me you are an upgrade. 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 Speed job is upgrade. Oh, wow. Hey there, I'm Kimberly Schmidt. Are you in love with the podcast you're listening to? Kevin Jager here. Did you know it's part of the Practically Perfect Broadway Podcast Network? And I'm Brian Plofsky. The Broadway Podcast Network features over 30 podcasts to feed the theater passion in all of us. Feed me, Seymour. Wait, over 30? I feel like I'm running out of time. It doesn't have to be agony because we have a very good place to start. Try out the Broad Wasted podcast with the three of us. And yes, it is what it sounds like. Join us every Tuesday for a hilarious happy hour with the best and brightest on Broadway. We drink, play games, share laughs, and did I mention drink with your favorite Broadway stars? From Jeremy Jordan, Patty Murin, Jessica Vosk, and Carolee Carmelo. To James Monroe Eigelhart, Sierra Bogus, George Salazar, and Alice Ripley. We have too much fun with too many friends of the show to mention. And on VPN, there's a whole new world of theater podcasting at your fingertips. Alongside the Broad Wasted podcast, you can discover other great established shows and exclusive podcasts that were made just for the BPN network. So defy gravity and fly on over to broadwaypodcastnetwork.com. Or go direct to our page at bpn.fm backslash broadwasted. And follow, follow, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us at Broadwasted, and the network is Broadway Podcast Network. We just can't wait to be a part of your weekly theater podcast lineup. Thank Thank you and cheers! Zoot-doo-wop-bum! Thank you for listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to visit us online at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com, on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network, or on Twitter at BWAPod Network.